So, our sermon series this, this, uh, this month is called The Stories of Conduit. Last year, or last, last week, uh, we heard from our brother, uh, Brandon, um, and I know, uh, I know that that, that, that story um, blessed many of you. I heard from that. I hope you shared I hope you shared that with Brandon, if it did bless you. Um, uh, so this morning we have another conduit that uh, many of you know, many of you might not know, so you'll get to hear, get to hear from her and get to hear a little bit of her story. Um, Danielle Pacitti, well, I will just have Danielle come up right now. Danielle is on, uh, Danielle has gone here for, for many, many years. Uh, she's on our leadership team here at Conduit, which is our, our main leadership board or team here. I'm so excited for you to hear her story uh, because, you know, every, everyone's story is different, obviously. Um, but uh, I almost like, th- there were portions of like planning this series. I was like, what would be really fun is to play a little game when the people come up front to say, let's guess what Danielle does for a living. Let's guess what Danielle has done for a living in the past, right? And see how close we can get to the actual answer. Because it's just always amazing to me, like the the ways in which we see the people that we may see every week but don't really know, and what their story really is, and where they've come from, and what God has brought them through, and what God is taking them to, um, uh, but we're, we won't do that. Um, uh, I'll, I'm going to let you. I'm going to let Danielle tell her story. Um, uh, it's a great one, and I'm sure there's. There's. I, I know there's aspects to it that I'm going to learn about this morning. Um, so, of course, uh, as I said this last week, um, the 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 purpose of these weeks is not to not to lift up or to magnify or to glorify the person or their story, but to, to hear what God has done and is doing in their lives, where God has brought them, what God has done in them, what God is doing through them. Because what happens is, is that we often really truly believe that we are alone in our, in our story. Like what has happened to us never happened to anyone else. What I feel, no one else feels that way. I am alone. I am on an island. And so we isolate and we don't get vulnerable with people and we turn inward on ourselves and our story, it chews us up, right? But there is so much power in sharing what we've experienced in life because, because it, it reveals to others um, and it reveals to our own hearts that we're not alone and that God works in other people's lives and can work in ours as well. So we want to magnify the name um, and the work of Jesus in each other's stories. Today is Danielle's story. Next week you're going to hear you're going to hear the story um, you're going to hear the story of another pastor. Um, uh, a really really good story. I will I will tell you. Um, it's not Pastor Luke, but uh, you're going to hear the story from another pastor, and I'm I'm so excited for that one. But I like I can't wait to get to this today. So would you join me for a minute as we pray over and for Danielle, and then we'll sit down and have a conversation. All right. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for our sister Danielle. We thank you, Lord, for her willingness to be vulnerable to stand before um, her church family and to share uh, her story. Lord, we pray that it would become just undeniably clear where you have led Danielle, where you have brought her from, where you are taking her to, how you are working in her life and in her family. Lord, we pray that... um, We pray, Lord, that Jesus would be glorified and magnified. Lord, and that you would speak to our hearts using Danielle's testimony as a way to call us into faith this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, have a seat. So, um, we'll do do our best to... um, to speak up, I know that we want everyone to be able to hear the story. Okay, um, 
So um, I don't, you know, the, listen folks, listen y'all, all right? I'm 40 years old now. I know that's young for some of you. <laughs> old for others. Um, I got my first pair of glasses this week. Um, don't ask me, don't ask me about it because we're struggling a little bit. Um, struggling a little bit with the year 40 wearing glasses. So the, the years, they seem to blend together a little bit for me. Um, and so if I'm being honest, I don't remember, I remember kind of when you started, when you like, when you started coming to Conduit, because I know it was, you had, you had moved back to the area, you're, mm-hmm. you're kind of born, born and raised or local to this area mm-hmm. originally, right? Yep. Um, but then moved away for a time to do some things, mm-hmm. right? And then came back. So when, when was it that you came back to the area? It here? was May of 2019. 2019. Okay, so been a handful of years then. So prior to May of 2019, give us a little, give us a little bit of background into um, kind of where you grew up maybe how you grew up and then what you, what like kind of like the waypoints were as you were coming back to coming back to the area here. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was born in Jamestown, uh, raised here until about fifth grade. And then we went out to PA till basically junior year of high school and then ended up moving back to the area. Okay. Um, growing up, um, I had two parents that were believers. Mm-hmm. They were both raised in the church, um, almost sometimes to the point where it was kind of you know pushed yeah. down their throats two, three times a week. So by times I came along, I'm the youngest. Um, church really wasn't part of our lives, so I didn't I didn't grow up in the church. Um, I knew there was a God. I always had belief in God, but I didn't know God. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely did not understand the Trinity. I, you know, had never really even opened a Bible, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of odd when I think back because I watched my mom read her Bible every single day. Mm-hmm. Like every day my mom was in her word. Mm-hmm. Um, and Danielle's mom is back there. Deb is back there. We love her <laughs> a bunch. Uh, so, you know, in, in preparation for this, uh, my daughter, you know, helped me kind of prep this out and just like most of our plans that uh, God has, he said, that's great, but you're going to talk about this instead. Mm. Um, so <laughs> so right, let's go. Uh, really it, it goes back to right before my 16th birthday, my brother, um, this one's hard. Yeah. My brother was having his firstborn son. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew that he had trisomy 13, so the likelihood of him living past a week or two wasn't very likely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was born. Um, we went up to see him, and you know, 15. I didn't didn't understand permanency. Didn't understand a lot. Um, you know, he had a lot of deformities. So many tubes attached to him. Um, and I just heard this voice that just kept telling me, touch his cheek, mm. touch his cheek, touch his cheek. But I was too afraid. Yeah. I was too afraid. So my fear kind of won out in that situation. And I said, you know, well, next time, not understanding. Uh, there, there wasn't a next time. Mm-hmm. Um, the next time I saw Alexander was in his casket. Mm. Um, and then that voice came again. So I go to touch his cheek, fully expecting it to be warm, because what understanding did I have of death? Yeah. Um, and it was ice cold. Mm-hmm. And it, it shook me in a way that I, I can't put words to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I vowed from, from that moment on, like, if I ever hear that again, if I hear that voice again, you know, in my arrogance, thought it was my gut. My gut was telling sure. me to do things. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I said, I'll, I'll follow it. Mm-hmm. I will never have this feeling again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So uh, obviously now I know it was, it was God the yeah. whole time. Um, but that's important kind of to my story because mm. that gut feeling is what led some very big decisions for the next 15 years of my life before mm. I even knew God. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next big one was um, when 9-11 happened. Okay, so, so first situation with your brother's um, son, you were 16, mm-hmm. then 9-11 happened. Like, how, how old were you around then? Uh, 9-11, I was... No one here can do math, so they won't be able to know. 20-ish, 1920-ish. And that voice came again and told me I was supposed to join the military, um, which my mom thought I was crazy. My whole family did. Well, I mean, you look like the classic military <laughs> right? person. Right, for sure, right? definitely. So, yeah. 4'10", you know, I was probably like 90 pounds soaking yeah. wet back then. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, everyone, everyone tried to talk me out of it. My brother sat me down multiple times and mm-hmm. was like, this is the stupidest thing you could do. And I was like, I can't explain it to you. I just know I'm supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and in true fashion, right, uh, my job in the military was interrogations and source operations. Uh, I, would so. have, I mean, I don't know about anyone else, but I totally would have guessed that you were... You were an interrogator yeah. in the army. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> a little uncomfortable actually talking with you now. <laughs> uh, well, that's, I, I mean, geez, we could talk a lot about that, but I'll, I'll let you keep going. So in, yep. the, ar- uh, in the army after 9-11, you mm-hmm. fall into interrogation mode. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So uh, I went to, to basic and advanced training went out of my unit that was uh, back to New York, got something back to New York to Fort Drum. Uh Um, And then my unit was already, they had deployed the month that I arrived there, so I was going to meet them in country. So it was like 27 days I was up there and then was in Iraq already. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was working at a detention facility in Baghdad. So that was pretty much where I was assigned. Uh Um, 20 hours a day, you know, interrogations and I really don't remember why, but there was um, a P, it's like a PX is like a store, I guess, right? Military store, right? Where you buy all your stuff when you're over there. Okay. And there was a soldier's Bible in there. And I was like, oh, I'm going to buy that, right? And I'm going to read it. Like, I'll just, you know. Mm-hmm. So we had super long days, like 18, 20 hour days. Like, if I got four hours of sleep, it was good. But like, I was just driven to read that. It was King James Version. So I, at the time, understood about four words that mm-hmm. I was reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> definitely, I just knew it made me feel better, right? Like, mm-hmm. even if I had lack of sleep, like, it just made me feel better to read mm-hmm. that. Still, no idea sure. who God was or yeah. really the story. Like, I really, truly didn't get it. Um, so we came back from, from that deployment. Um, I was a bit of a mess, like mm. most people. Um, coming back, um, definitely struggling to sleep, nightmares, um, re-experiencing basically your, your typical PTSD symptoms Mm -hmm. I was having and did what everyone else in my unit did, which was drink. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so probably the first, I would say three, good three months, probably solid three months, I was drunk every single night. How long were you? How long were you overseas? Um, that first deployment was ten months because I met them okay. in the country. So ten mm-hmm. months over there, just mm-hmm. in it, twenty hours a day, mm-hmm. like coming back, culture shock hits, mm-hmm. right, and turn to one of the easiest things yeah. to make the pain go away, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Okay. Yep, absolutely. Because back then um, we held clearances, so. If you said you needed help, your, your, oh, your okay. clearance got yanked. So nobody said it. You know, we were we were briefly, you know, say nothing. You don't go talk to the head doctors. Definitely don't do that. Gotcha. Whatever you do, or you're gonna get you know booted out. Uh-huh. So we we drank. That's what we did. Um, I met my my now ex husband. He was in my unit mm-hmm. um, there. I ended up having Kayla. Uh, in between that deployment. And Kayla's back there too, and she's yep. beautiful, and we love her, just like we love Deb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I deployed again. This time, obviously, much more difficult. Um, mm. 
with Kayla at home, sure. being, being so young. Um, so I missed from, from basically one and a half to two and a half mm. um, with Kayla. Mm-hmm. Um, that deployment was, was definitely more difficult. Um, I was doing more of the, the source operations, the intel gathering at that time. So I was covering five different providences in Iraq. So I was flying to a different province, setting up at outpost and, and going out and collecting the information we needed. Um, so I basically lived out of an assault pack for the year. Um, a lot of stuff happened on mm-hmm. that deployment. Um, and it was, I'm, I'm sure, by the prayers of my mother mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the grace of God that I, I came home because there was multiple times that I just shouldn't, I have. shouldn't have made it. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have made it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, not to break up the story, but thank you. Thank you for your service. I appreciate what you did, and even despite how difficult and challenging it was and probably still is for you to think about and deal with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was to say a mess when I came home after that deployment would have been an understatement. Yeah. Um, a complete understatement. Um, the, I think depression hit me really hard um, during that deployment and it just, it got worse. It got worse. My PTSD symptoms got worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was still hard-headed, right? Didn't, didn't want help, didn't need help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was, there was a lot of times that I know that Kayla was a gift from God mm. because she saved my life more times than she probably knows. Mm-hmm. What, what do you mean when you, when you say that? Like how? Um, I, I honestly got to the point where I didn't want to live anymore. Mm. Like that's where I was at when I got back. Mm-hmm. I think my, my number one question to, to God was, you know, like, why did you bring me back? Why did I get to come back? Like that survivor's guilt yeah. was was very steeped, and I wanted to know, like you know, why I I got brought back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was kind of a, kind of an kind of an answer for you mm-hmm. in Almost in certainly. the person of your daughter, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Most certainly. So when I came back from that deployment, um, I was out, and I was a civilian teaching um, down in Arizona at the Intel course. Um, so you, you, were, you were teaching others as a mm-hmm. civilian what you had done? Or, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I just so happened I was on like the IT side of that particular course, right, where we, we ran all the um, IT information, and I got assigned a field engineer, like a tech guy, mm-hmm. um, and it just turned out he was a pastor. Oh, yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when I came home, I was just, I was just angry. I was just mad. I was mad at the world. I was mad at myself. I was mad at everything. Um, and that really spilled over to, I think I was mad at God, right? Um, and I would just spew hate at this man. There's, there's, no, there's no better way to put it. I would just pepper him with questions, and what about this, and what about that, and every single time he met me with grace. Mm. Every single time he met me with patience. And he would stop, and he would explain exactly what the Bible said, what God said, what the Word said. Mm-hmm. Um, and me being me, still hard-headed, was still kind of, you know, holding on to that. Mm-hmm. He gave me a book, called Mere Christianity. And he had asked me to read it, and I was like, yeah, sure, buddy. You know, got home, tossed it, yeah. tossed it aside. You know, what it is, whatever. That voice comes again, tells me pick up, and move to Virginia. Mm. So within four days' time, I fly to Virginia, find a house, pack up Kayla, pack up all of our stuff. I think I called my mom in the truck. <laughs> actually to tell her I was moving um 
to, to Virginia um, for, for a job in IT doing um, insider threat work, basically. Like, it's like interrogation at computers. Sure. Best way mm -hmm. I could put it. Um, so I get there. My best friend's living with me at the time, who is an atheist, right? Absolutely does not believe there's, there's a God whatsoever. And mm -hmm. we get into a discussion about she's going to baptize her children when they're older. And I'm like, why in the world will you baptize your kids like you're an atheist? And uh, <laughs> we never fought, but like I was mad. Like mm. I was mad, mad about this. And I, you know, I'm up in my room and I'm just fuming at her. Like, why would she do this? And pacing back and forth. And then I stopped and I asked myself, like, why are you so mad about this? And then it was like a light bulb. I was like, oh, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So I dig through all my stuff. I find that mere Christianity book that he had given me, and I read it from cover to cover. And yeah. Everything that I had asked him yeah. was included in that book in a way that I just, you know, could easily understand and digest it all. Yeah, I, I would say, like, you know, if you come to me and say, hey, what, what book should I read? The first one I'm going to tell you is, like, I, I think you should read the Bible. Right? And then you say, like, Okay, is, are there other books that I can read? Uh, like Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis would, would probably, like, probably be the number one book or probably be at the top of the list mm -hmm. after that. But what is, like, I want to go back to this pastor. Mm -hmm. um, and it wouldn't matter if it was a pastor or not, right? But there was, my, my guess or my perception is that your... Your anger at him, your peppering him with questions, your trying to trip him up, probably wasn't actually like pointed at him mm -mm. at all, right? Mm -mm. But like as an as an expression of what was going on inside of you, mm -hmm. right? All of that was going on inside of you that had no place to go. Yep. It needed some place to land. Right? Absolutely. And and it was how he received all of that that was coming out of you mm -hmm. that that kept you engaged yes right mm -hmm. and, and like it's for true in our own like you know you'll often see things you know hear people say like you might see a person but you don't actually know what they're going through right so be careful how you treat them or whatever and like there is like there's good theological and like Christian reasons to do that, right? Because often when we when we are on the when we are on the the barrel end of someone else's emotional gun, it's not often it's not usually because we've done something. It may be, but but many times what happens is that like um, when when we feel safe with someone then when we feel like there's a level of like grace or mercy or understanding it becomes like it becomes a free-for-all for dumping all of our junk on them right mm -hmm. and and you might have people in your life where you're like i don't understand why they're always so aggressive with me or like always so like at my throat always so like pushing my buttons, pushing my buttons, pushing my buttons. The opportunity for you to remain in a position of Christ-likeness towards them and with an attitude of Christ-likeness towards them, receiving them with grace, receiving them with, with gentleness and kindness and mercy, it's like, it's like the way that we receive difficult people becomes an anchor for them that holds them close to the gospel. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean that like right in that moment that they're going to, that they're going to like come to faith in Jesus Christ. But what it's certainly not going to do is make them float far away from it. Right? Like the way that we receive difficult people becomes an anchor for them to keep them close to Jesus. And I, mm -hmm. I get kind of feel like that's mm -hmm. the, that, that person, that pastor's 
demeanor and response and reaction to you was such a critical point in you coming to know Jesus mm -hmm. truly. Oh yeah. Because he could have easily been like, mm -hmm. you know, like just throwing you off to the side. Oh. And it would have said it would have said a lot. Justified. Yeah, it would have said a lot. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Red mere Christianity cover to cover. It answered a lot of the questions that you remember had having asked him and then mm -hmm. kind of where did life go? What what were the how did life begin to change then? So I called him after that, that after I read the book and I was like, I believe now what? Mm. <laughs> and he said, Well, now we need to get you hooked in a church community and you need to get baptized. I said, wonderful. I like this guy. I'm booking, a, I'm booking a plane ticket. Kayla and I are coming. When are you baptizing me? <laughs> so that's what I did. I hopped on a plane back down to uh, Arizona. He baptized me in a hot tub <laughs> in right. someone's, someone's house. Uh, and then he spent, him and his wife, Kim, uh, his name's Steve, by the way, uh, spent the next year via Skype walking me through the tenets of the faith. Oh, Steve, Every Kim, single week. If you're mm -hmm. watching, God bless you. Thank you for mm -hmm. being so faithful. Thank yes. you. Mm -hmm. yep. Absolutely. Um, and that, that year I grew... Uh, it, there's no words. There's no words. I did a 180. Right? God, God did a 180. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. So I got, I got linked with a local church, got plugged in, um, started going to groups, started serving... Um, met people that were, they're like family now, right? Mm. Um, one, one in particular was um, the church admin there, Miss Brenda, if you're watching, hey? Yeah. Uh, she, oh my God, this lady strengthened me in ways that, mm. that I, can't, I can't articulate. Um, the faith that she has is like nothing else I've ever seen. Mm. Um, a lot of, of where I'm at and the encouragement to continue through, um, I know has been a direct result of, of her prayers and her encouragement and, and linking mm -hmm. um, with me. Um, during that, that time there, um, it was a move church down in, in Virginia. Um, move church, you said? Move church. Mm -hmm. um, in worship one morning, um, I still had that lingering question of, you know, why? Why, why did I get brought back? Sure. Um, and that's the only time I've, I've audibly heard God speak to me. Mm. Um, and I was a new Christian, so it scared the crap out of me, yeah. not going to lie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. There was a, a fellow Christian who was at my, my work site, and I remember frantically um, it was, you know, obviously Sunday. So the next morning I was like, you got to come down to the break room with me like now. Mm. And he's like, what? And I was like, no, like now. Mm. So he, I go down there with him and I was like, yo, I was like, I don't know if I'm crazy or what, but like, if this is what happened. This is what I heard. Um, and he goes, well, you know, if you ever have a question about that, you always just ask God for the second sign. And I was like, okay. So God had kind of told me why he, he brought me back, and then the sermon. Mm. The next Sunday was the exact words that God had spoken mm. Mm -hmm. to me, um, which again included Kayla. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so from there, it was just, I was pretty much on, on fire. Mm -hmm. um, started leading outreach. I've always, always loved helping people. Mm. Um, so... Um, started launching a, a group there where we helped um, some individuals that were in a trailer park, like fixing their houses, going in, um, doing the rehab, a bunch of other just, you know, work serve projects and, and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, then I used to come back home and obviously visit for, for holidays and occasions. So, uh, I came here, I honestly don't know the time frame. I want to say it was the tail end of 2017. Mm -hmm. So I came to Conduit as a visitor because one of my childhood best friends came here at mm -hmm. the time. Um, I sat in the pew where Rachel's at right now. Mm -hmm. And you guys had a guest pastor from Alexandria, Virginia, 10 minutes from where I was living at the time. Mm -hmm. 
And his message that day was about God's calling. And were you going, basically, were you going to do it when God called? Mm. And God in that moment spoke to me and asked me, you know, am I, am I going to do it? And said, yes, Lord, whatever you say, I'm going to do. And like a nice God, he gave me a second chance, asked me again, and I was like, yes, like whatever you say, I'm going to do. Immediately regretted that. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Well, like, like, like I said, you know, when you, when you say words like, hey, Lord, I'll give you my whole heart, you know, like whatever, my, all my passions, all my desires, whatever you want. And then he says, okay, we'll do this. Well, I didn't mean I didn't that. I didn't mean that. Lord. Like, yeah. I mean everything except all the things that I want to do, right? All the things that are easy to do. Yes, absolutely. So in that moment, he told me I was going to go back to school for counseling. I was going to move back to Jamestown, and I was going to set up my ministry to work with his youth. Mm. Three things my mom can attest. Three things never in a million years would I choose. What, Jamestown counseling Counseling, and Jamestown youth? and youth. Just no. No. Well, I've heard from several people that Jamestown is a very, very um, hot place to move to these days right mm-hmm. if you're listening out there internet you know jamestown is the place to move to uh you want to be here mm-hmm. <laughs> yep so i was you know i was like well i think you got the wrong danielle like maybe there's another one in the congregation god that um you were really talking to because I, i'm a mess what do you mean council people uh-huh. right like no not not me right um well i just like <laughs> Are you going to talk more about that? Because, like, I got so many questions about, like, I got so many questions about how, like, even in your mind, moving from a both military but then civilian role of interrogation Mm -hmm. into a more directly therapeutic and now ministry role Mm -hmm. um, of doing, like, Christian-based counseling, like what? How? I, I mean, I don't know. that feels like I don't know. That feels like someone who's dealing drugs saying, "I'm going to go into pharmaceutical sales." Quite literally, right? Quite literally. Okay. So, I mean, talk. Can you talk to me a little? Can you talk to me a little bit about like? How that goes here and here for uh, you? Like, uh, I was just as confused as you are. If, <laughs> okay. If it makes you feel any better, I was like, <laughs> clearly, clearly not me, Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially with, with my PTSD and depression, right? Oh. I was like, how, how in the world do you want me to counsel people when I can't get myself together? Like, sure. Lord, what, what are you thinking? Oh. But, you know, um, I, I go back down to Virginia thinking, oh, well, you know, it's going to be 10, 20 years. 10, 20 years, God will call me into this. I'll come back to town. It'll, you know, it'll be a Retirement. Right. It'll be a good retirement. Yeah, you sure. know, yep. for sure. No, uh, it was less than two months um, where he just, it's just like, you need to start applying. You need to start applying. You need to start applying to schools. And I was like, all right, Lord, well, you know my finances. So um, I don't want to come out of this with, with that. So if you really want me to do this, make a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mistake two. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so that was on the morning on my on my commute to work. Um, I get a phone call right after that from my CEO who says she wants to meet me for lunch. Um, I meet her for lunch and she sits me down and she says, "You know, we really like what you're doing. Um, we're going to give you a twenty thousand dollar raise, a five thousand dollar bonus." And if you stay on with the company until we sell, I'm going to give you a quarter million dollars. So I immediately okay. looked up and just started laughing, which obviously uh-huh. threw her off. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess I'm, I guess I'm doing this now. Uh, all mm-hmm. right. So I started. Uh, honestly, how I found Regent University, I, it's God, right? Like, yeah. Like, I just it was an online school that only required me to go down for residency um, one week a year. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll go. I'll get this other degree, right? I used to get degrees and 
be fine, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it'll be all right. And then, you know, somewhere ways down the road, God will have this, this plan for me. Um, so the week prior to my, my first residency week down at Regent, we had, at Move Church, we had, um, like, prayer time for weeks at a time um, throughout, spread throughout the year. And it just so happened that it was the week before I went to residency where we had this time in the morning. So it was an hour every morning before everyone commuted to work where you would just spend time in the sanctuary in, in prayer. So, you know, I was marching around that sanctuary all week, um, probably the worst level of panic attacks I have ever had. Mm. In my, like, it was, it was constant. Mm. I, was, I was not well. Um, and I'm, I'm walking around the sanctuary just kind of asking God, um, you know, to, I, I saw it as an attack from the enemy. You know, I was like, you know, Lord, if you want me to go do this, like, you gotta, you gotta let him lay off because I can't go down there having panic attacks. Like, I, I can't even function right now. So I'm marching around asking for that, and it's the last day of prayer before I'm, I'm headed down the next day. And um, that's when God spoke to me again. Mm. And what he said to me was, why do you keep giving the devil credit for something I put in you? Mm. He said, how are you going to counsel my people if you don't know what it feels like? And he said, "Mm -hmm." he said, I came. I am the great counselor. Mm. I know. Mm -hmm. And in one moment, God flipped everything that I had been through on its head. Mm. Um, So I never prayed for that to be removed again. Yeah. Um, and I definitely saw all the things that I had been through in, in that journey with, with my trauma, the journey with my depression. Now it was a strength. It wasn't a weakness. It was a way for me to really understand people at a level that I wouldn't have been able to do without walking through it myself. Mm. Mm-hmm. You see, and, and this is the way... That, this is what we mean when we say that God, like that the gospel changes everything, mm-hmm. right? Um, because when we say that the gospel changes everything, what we might think sometimes is that the gospel erases all negative circumstance, right? And that's not actually what we mean at all, right? What we mean is that like God is so powerful, and God is so good, mm-hmm. and the gospel so, so completely, um, completely changes something that it that it actually uses some like horrible, negative, would avoid it at all costs type of experiences like you had in the military and in your life, and actually uses that as a tool mm-hmm. for His glory actually uses that as the ground or the foundation that he builds your calling on Mm -hmm. your your life on and so when we say something like well the gospel changes everything what we're what we're saying is not that hey life's going to be great now we're saying (laughs) that no like god in the gospel god brings purpose to every single moment of pain Mm -hmm. that you have ever had absolutely he brings he brings lever- he, he's, he leverages every single thing now that you've gone through. Like you're going to be a giant lever for his glory and all of the pain and all of the trauma and um, all of the experiences now are going to be used as like the, I don't know, like the turbo boost to the gifts and the skills and the abilities that he's going to put in like that, that you already have in interrogation and counseling like that's a perfect example right how we can use something like an interrogator to counsel people right um that's just amazing to me i can't boy i would love to be a fly on the wall in baghdad and then here in jamestown um but just to see what god has done but like Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's it Mm -hmm. that's it absolutely can you can i ask you to backtrack in the story just a little bit mm-hmm. to talk about like your 
when you, after you went down to Arizona and got um, baptized, and then you came back to Virginia and you're in Move Church, um, can you tell me a little bit, or just share how for you, like, what was, what did you see as most critical or most important or most like in your, in your like early faith development or like what took you from like A to Z in terms of like the way that you grew? What were some of the factors? I mean, was it people? Was it prayer? Was it studying? Was it the church? Like, was it serving? Like, what are some of those things for you? I think all the above had components, but I would say the most important thing was connection and community. Mm. Getting to know other believers and growing and doing life with them was what moved me along that trajectory. Yeah. If I hadn't, if it hadn't been a church that was open, that was loving, that just grabbed onto people and pulled them in, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have got to where I was. Mm-hmm. What type of like community did you find there? Like what types, like what aspects of community did you get involved in? Pretty much everything that there was. Yeah, so you're like um, a sponge. Whatever is yeah, there. Yeah, whatever there. was there, I just, I mean, God was just using it in amazing ways. So whether it was, you know, just communion before and after service, whether it was small groups, right? Um, whether it was, they had life groups there too. So it was just things you went out, right? So we went out on prayer walks, right? Like, I mean, you name it, like, there was just a community of connection, whether it was based upon, you know, we're going to do a deep Bible study or we're just going to live life together and break bread. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is definitely what fueled a lot of the growth for me. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we, can't, we can't, I don't think, I, I think it's impossible to overemphasize the importance of community Mm-hmm. in your in your spiritual walk or in your like in your growing with Jesus like you it is um, like even scripture really knows no example of a person who followed Jesus alone mm-hmm. like or a someone who is like well I'm just gonna like I'm a Christian I have faith in Jesus Christ but like I don't need the church, and when I mean the church, I don't mean the building, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean like other people who are also following Jesus, who are also growing with Jesus, mm-hmm. who are also asking the Holy Spirit to transform them more and more into uh, people that live, love, and serve like Jesus. Like um, there, there's there's no example of that in the Word of God where the people are like, I'm just going to go and do my own thing, walk my own, walk my own road, you know. I love Jesus, but I, I hate the church. Like, that doesn't impress Jesus at all because mm-hmm. Jesus loves the church, mm-hmm. you know. Jesus died for the church, right? The church is Jesus' bride, <laughs> right? And like, anytime you smack around the bride, like, the groom gets pretty mad, right? I don't know about y'all, but like, don't mess with my bride. It's pretty much the only thing you don't mess with in my life, right? Don't mess with that. Um, but like the the centrality of relationships that we have with other people in the community of faith can cannot be overstated how critical and important they are to growth. And and that mm-hmm. that was that's part of your story. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So coming back now to like, so you you enrolled at Regent. Mm-hmm. It's a great school. Yeah. I know it well. Yeah. Like you're in their counseling program. Yes. Okay. Yep. And yep. go. Yep. So I was uh, in the clinical mental health counseling program. Um, had no idea what was what was ahead of me. Um, didn't have any clue that like it's a year unpaid residency that you've got to mm. go through, or, like an internship. Um, so I find all this out like the week I'm down there, sure. right? Um, so I'm in shock, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, I'm really doing this. Had to call Steve, have him talk me off the ledge the first day. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was there with me, thankfully, so I made it through. <laughs> I didn't run home. 
Um, so I'm in that, that program that was the fall of 2018. Um, and again, I'm still thinking it's going to be years before God makes me come back to Jamestown, right? Like it's going to be, he's not going to make me go back anytime makes soon, Makes me right? come back. <laughs> oh, <laughs> trust yeah. me. Oh, I, I get it. Yeah, I've been here my whole life. Yeah, yeah I get it. Never, never yeah. in a million years thought I would come back here. Uh, and he starts telling me, start, start purging the house. And I'm like, but, but why? I like all my things in my house, God. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, start paring down. Start paring down your house. So I'm like, you know, begrudgingly, like, put stuff in boxes and donating. Um, and then February of, of that year, he had told me, start applying for, for positions. So I start, you know, IT degree, I have an MBA. So I was applying to everything in my field. Nothing. Like, mm-hmm. not one call. Mm-hmm. Not a single call mm-hmm. from anyone. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, you know, what's going on here? Um, tells me randomly to start looking at houses. Up and, here? Yeah, up here. Okay. So I'm here for a visit, and I'm like, yeah, okay, sure, I'll go look at some houses, God, right? No, and I'm not. <laughs> no, like, I'm not buying a house mm-hmm. here. So I go with a realtor, we go around. I'm like, no, oh, none of these are right. At Kayla's birthday party, and... And pops an alert for a house, and God says, get in the car and go. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, can I finish the party? Like, (laughs) so literally, he's like, well, I guess, right? So I finished her birthday party, went home, grabbed the dog, started headed to to New York, called my brother, was like, hey, can you find a realtor? Because apparently I'm supposed to look at this house, you know? Mm -hmm. So we drive to the house, we look around, and I'm still like, no way, right? Like the whole way here, I'm like, God's going to let me get like, you know, another 10 miles and then he's going to be like, well done, good and faithful servant. Turn around. Yeah. Like, I was just testing you, uh-huh. right? It didn't happen. Uh, so we get, to, we get to the house and my last ditch effort, like I know Kayla does not want to move. She does not want to leave, you know, she doesn't want to leave all of her friends, everything she knows. So I'm like, I'm going to use Kayla to get out of this. <laughs> So she's, you know, looking around the house. Um, so I pull her to the side, and I'm like, you know, what do you, what do you think, baby girl? Like, what's God saying? And she looks at me, and she goes, I think God's telling us we need to buy this house. <laughs> Backfire. <laughs> like you traitor. <laughs> so uh, I'm signing the papers. Um, head back down to, to Virginia, still pretty much in denial. Right, thinking, okay, well, you know, sometime I'm trying to not panic because I still have the house from the divorce down in Arizona. I got the mortgage in Virginia. Now I got going to have the mortgage in, in New York. Um, so then I was not too long after that that God told me, you're going to get an interview next week and you're going to take the job and you're going to go and you're going for someone and i'm like Mm. very confused Mm -hmm. um i don't for the for the life of me i do not remember applying to this job Mm -hmm. so i get the email and it's from this gentleman at the national fish hatchery and (laughs) Warren PA. <laughs> and I immediately have to Google fish hatchery because I have no idea what that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so they literally, they, they grow fresh. That's what they do. They stock the lakes. They, yeah. they grow fish. Uh-huh. I hate fish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't even eat fish. Like, not a fan. Don't want to touch them. Don't, like, nothing. Right? Like, they creep me out. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm like, well, who am I going for? Like, I'm going to pick up my whole life, right? I'm going to pack up everything. And I'm going to move back to Jamestown to work, work at a fish hatchery. Yeah. Um, like, can you at least let me in on who? And he's like, you don't need to know who. Just go. <laughs> so I did. So I, I left my lovely six-figure job and D.C. and came to work at a fish hatchery. At a fish hatchery in Jamestown. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the first day they show me a video of <laughs> milking, milking fish. fish. Oh, yeah. Milking okay. fish. And I yeah. throw up. See, yeah. they're all, it's on the weird side of YouTube, but they're oh, out there. Oh, it's yep. so uh-huh. nasty. It's yeah. so nasty. <laughs> and you got to, like, clip their fins and put these little tags in their noses. It was, it was, not, it was not okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I'm like, I basically get hired to do like their admin and their books for them, basically, right? Like manage their their finances. And um, I had, I think it was about a month, and I was sitting down with my mom at, for coffee, and I was like, my job's still open in Virginia. So I'm pretty sure I'm just going to pack the house back up and go back down because I yeah. can't. I can't do this, right? Like, God is asking too much right now. Like, I just, I can't. So I go, I think I had coffee with you in the morning, and I went to work. I can't, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. um, if not, it was like the day after. And I was, I was supposed to go to an event to teach children how to fish. <laughs> <laughs> I literally looked at them and said, who's going to teach me first? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that's what I was supposed to be doing that day, and a gentleman who, who worked there came into like my office area and sat down, and he looks at me pretty seriously and says, why are you here? Mm -hmm. And I was like, and God was like, tell him. Mm. And I go, okay. I go, well, I can't honestly tell you. All I can tell you is that God was sending me for someone. Um, so I packed up and I moved here. So that's why I'm here. And he looked at me and he said, I'm pretty sure you came for me. I'm that someone. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he said, he starts divulging that um, about a month or two prior to that, God started talking to him and started telling him to do things. And he was freaked out about it. Didn't know what to do or how to manage it. Um, so obviously we became like peanut butter and jelly after mm -hmm. that. Um, he was struggling with some stuff. Um, same, same things that I was struggling with. Mm. So kind of bonded us um, through that. Um, God has definitely got a hold of him mm -hmm. and kind of done a 180 for him as well. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, most certainly. Um, so that, that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. So now you're done with, re you're done with your degree. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So you finished your counseling degree. Mm -hmm. You still in your residency? One year residency? Or you're done? Like, where? where no, so I'm, I'm fully graduated. Yep. Um, I did my, my one year internship that yep. ended <clears throat> last year. So now I'm in an um, employed position on my limited permit. So it'll be another year before I have all the hours for, uh -huh. for the full permit. Full license. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, starting Thursday, half day. I will be in JHS doing counseling for my agency. Praise God. Praise <laughs> God. So how, can you tell me just a little bit, like we're, we, we're going to wrap up here in a minute, but just can you give us a little bit of sense of what you feel like, more detail on what you feel like your calling is with mm -hmm. counseling as a Christian woman in Jamestown, New York, which is... You know, we have a very high rate of addiction and mm -hmm. mental illness, and but we also got a we also got a pretty high rate, at least in this room, of like, hey, the gospel changes everything. Mm -hmm. Like, and every man, woman, and child in this city for Jesus. I don't care if it's the last thing that happens. Like, he, like I believe it to the core of my being. Like, we are here. We are here because. Like, we have the hope of the gospel, and Jamestown needs it. Absolutely. Um, and so, tell me a little bit about how you see, like, that, all of that intersecting in your life and your mm -hmm. calling and what you hope to do in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, being a Christian counselor, especially in, in this area, right, where I'm in a community setting, so I don't run into a lot of believers. Mm -hmm. um, I have a handful. Right? I have a handful of believers, but for the most part, I'm counseling secular clients. Yep. Um, but it's been amazing to me what God does with some of those people who walk in and say, you know, I have no, I have no faith, I have no belief. But then when you start exploring that with them and start exploring their lives and context of their beliefs, um, there have been so many people. So many people that by the end are like, you know what, I think I actually, this is a part of me. This is actually what I believe, right? Mm -hmm. and, and being witness to that. Yep. And God just allowing me to have that seat and that opportunity to just kind of walk with someone through some of their worst days. 
Yes. And find Jesus at the end of it. Oh my gosh, praise the Lord. Yeah. And you're going to be for people both the anchor and the pathway, like Steve, like Pastor Steve was for you. Mm-hmm. You're going to be the anchor that holds some people towards faith, mm-hmm. and you're going to be the pathway that leads people towards faith mm-hmm. without them even knowing. Right? Yeah. Yeah, because you're not going in being like, hey, I'm your biblical counselor, Christian counselor no. for today. Mm-hmm. No. Nope. Right? No. Nope. But like, Jesus is just going to pour, he's going to like pour out all that. Absolutely. Jesus Absolutely. is going to pour out of all that. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's my prayer every morning. You know, I pray over when I have my my list of who I'm going to see that day, that's, that's my prayer, right? And yeah. I know it's not what I'm doing. Like, I, I just get to be in the seat, right? God's just using me. It's going to be him. He's the one that's going to change them, that's going to help with whatever they have going on, with whatever those struggles are, mm-hmm. right? And I just ask his presence to be in the middle of all of that. Yes. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's amazing with, with some of the people how far they come with just asking the simple questions well i you know i we're, we're probably about the same age so yeah, you know, i'm 42 okay you're 40 as well or yes, 42 as well oh, 40 okay. as well uh well <laughs> uh, oh, oh, high fives <laughs> i was hoping you were gonna say 42 and i'd be like well you know <laughs> So, I mean, it's not like, I don't mean this to sound patronizing, and it can't be patronizing because I'm not older than you, but, like, I'm so proud of you. I'm, I, like, I am proud to know you. I am proud to be your pastor. I'm proud to be your friend. I'm proud to see and hear what God has done in you. And, like, I'm proud to hear about your, your faithfulness, and, and the faith required to hear what God says and then go do it, even though you, you don't want to. I've been there, right? Yeah. And I've been on the other side too, like the story you shared at the beginning of the Lord being like, I need you to do this and me not doing it. And mm-hmm. then, um, you know, what opportunity is lost in that moment. Yep. But I'm just so grateful um, for your willingness to come and share this morning. I, I, um, I know because I've... Stood in front of these people long enough to know when they're engaged and when y'all are sleeping on me, um, and also when, when like, what what is being said is hitting home with people. And I think that just as it did last week with Brandon sitting here, that they're mm-hmm. that you know what you're saying or you know, the aspects of your story that you're sharing are connecting with people. And so, um. You know, if you didn't if you didn't know Danielle or knew her only kind of before she was up here today, my my encouragement to you is make sure you introduce yourself uh, to her today. Thank her for her story, for what she has shared. Maybe you have a, maybe you have a similar maybe you have a similar experience or story, or um, maybe you want Danielle to pray for you, right? Um, that that you would be have the faith and courage to do X, Y, or Z as something was brought up um, in, in your own heart from her story today. So I'm gonna, let me pray over Danielle and pray for us one more time as the worship team comes up, and then we'll, um, we'll go back into worship. Heavenly Father, thank You, Lord, so much for Your goodness to Danielle and to Kayla and to Deb, Lord, to their whole family, for the way that you um, ordered their steps in such a way to bring them here, Lord, we don't we don't we don't hold them tightly, Lord. We know that you will use them wherever they go and whatever they do. But Lord, we want to say thank you for their lives with us right now. Thank you for their presence with us. Thank you for their giftedness. Thank you for their story, Lord. Thank you, Lord for the plans that You have for them that have not been revealed yet or that we do not know. Lord, thank You for the ways in which You will use Danielle to change the lives of teens in the Jamestown region. Lord, thank You for that. Um, Father, we pray Your overwhelming and continued blessing and favor on her and on her family 
and on her ministry, Lord, that, Father, I pray that you would not, that it would be impossible for those who sit with Danielle to see anything or anyone but Jesus, Lord, and that you would give her opportunity to witness continually to her faith in Jesus Christ, and that by doing so, and that by being a place of safety and trust for others, that they would come to trust Jesus for their own lives and for their own stories as well. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done and showed us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.